we're so excited to have you here. If you're visiting with the first time, uh, we're glad you came today. We believe you're not here by accident, but we believe that you are here because we've been praying for you to come. Amen. And uh, we, uh, we know that, how many of you were here for Josh Carter last week? Anybody here? Come on, he preached good. He did a great job. I knew that he would bring a word for our house. And so if you missed that and you, you didn't get to hear him, go online and listen to the podcast. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Uh, but we are, we're uh, going to jump right into this series, uh, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Because that's the Bible that Jesus wrote. Crystal says Amplified is the one that Jesus reads. But uh, King King James is actually the one that he wrote. But uh, anyway, I'm just kidding. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. You got it? Say amen. You don't say hold up. I'm holding. It says this. Command those who are rich. Come on, somebody say rich. In this present age, not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in, in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Amen? You know, I think that there's a common misconception out there that God does not want you to have stuff. That he doesn't, if you have stuff, oh man, you know, there, there are people out there that, that in, there's nothing wrong with this, but there are people out there that believe that the poorer you are, the more holy you are. Let me tell you this, that we are not that church. I believe that God, right here in the Bible it says this, that God gives you richly all things to enjoy. Come on. He wants you. I, I've been with, I've had money and I've been broke. And I don't know about you, but I like having money a lot better than being broke. Can I hear an amen? He gives you all things to enjoy. And it says this, let them do good. Come on. Somebody say do good. That they be rich. This is where our sermon title comes from. In good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. Amen? Lord, right now, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. This sermon series is all about being generous. Come on, we're in the, we're in the Thanksgiving se- uh, season, right? We like to be very intentional about stuff. How many of you know people that, that they'll go on Facebook and they'll post things that they're thankful for all throughout Thanksgiving? I think those people are awesome. I never actually take the time to read what they thank God for, but... but <laughs> I appreciate the effort anyway, right? I mean, I think it's, it's awesome. Uh, but, but the thing is, is that we are all about being generous. Now, let me just tell you this. Before you grab your wallets and you think, oh my gosh, here's a preacher talking about money again. I want you to understand that this series, while it will include money, is not all about money. You, you can be generous and do a lot of other stuff. Come on, the Bible says here, be rich in good deeds, 
You can be generous in good deeds. You can be stingy in doing good for people. The truth is, is that God wants us to be generous in all aspects of our lives. Not just one particular, but in all aspects of our life. And so, uh, but don't worry, I'm not going to pass the buckets out again at the end of this, okay? You don't have to worry about it. Uh, We're we're not doing that. But I do want to talk to you a little bit about living a generous life. To be rich in good deeds. We We want people to understand that God has called us to be generous in all things that we do. Amen. See, the thing is, is that you, if you're visiting with us for the first time, you've come on a perfect Sunday because the truth is, is that this church is a generous church. That we, we, we have people in this church, we have over 170 people on our dream team who, who show up week after week and they serve, they pull trailers, they bring in equipment, they set up equipment, they rock babies, come on, they park cars, they set up flags, they, they uh, lead worship, they run sound, they, they make coffee, thank you Jesus, they, they do all, they, they all kinds, why do they do this, why do they show up and do this, well they must be bored, they they must not have enough to do. They, they must, their life must be a lot simpler than mine. They don't understand what busy really is. No, the truth is, is that they're busier than you could ever imagine. Some of them are running massive businesses and working in a parking lot. The truth is, is the reason why they show up week after week to do this is because at the very heart of who they are, they are generous. And they understand that God has called them to not just sit back and just kick back and go, okay, well, I'm here to enjoy a good service, but God has called them to use their gifts, talents, and abilities to make a difference in others. Amen. We are a generous church. But why are we talking about this then if we're all generous? The truth is, is that not everyone understands generosity. Not everyone gets it. Not everyone has grabbed a hold of it. They think, that, 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 why, why in the world would a church or a pastor talk about money? The truth is, is the reason why we talk about money is because Jesus talked about money. Jesus talked about money. If you're offended at a preacher talking about money, you'd be offended because Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. He talked about money a lot. Why? Why is there this conversation? Why is Jesus talking about money and being generous? Why is he always after this? The truth is, is because he knew that the very thing that was after your heart, that was competing for your heart, would not be Satan, but it would be stuff. The Bible says that where your heart is, there your treasure is also. Why, why is this? They're, they're, come on. We're not, there's, there's really not this battle going on the inside of you, and you're sitting here going, well, God or Satan? Hmm. Christianity, or am I going to be a Satan? Satan? You, know, you, you don't do that, ha- Halloween or Christmas. You know, you're not having this internal battle. The truth is, though, is that you have, this, you have this thing going on because it's stuff that will drive you. I know people that don't mean to get away from God, but what the, the more that they work, they have to work more to pay for the stuff that they have because they want more stuff. And the more that they work, the farther away from God they get. Because stuff can come between you if you start loving stuff more than God. Amen? Here's a a staggering statistic is the more Americans make, the less they give away. You would think it would be completely the opposite, but the truth is, is the more Americans make, the percentage-wise in every aspect of their life, the less they give away. See, the thing is, is that people, 
think that stuff is going to make them happy, but it never does. It never satisfies. And here, you know, I, I know that there, I'm not talking to any rich people here. But here's the thing is I want you to know that as your pastor, I am praying for you to be massively wealthy. Amen? I am praying for you to be rich. I want you to have money, and I want you to have stuff. Amen? Aren't you glad that somebody is praying besides you for money? Amen? So I want you to understand that. So, but, but one day you're going to show up with money, and I want, you to, I want you to know what to do with it. Because, you know, there's a lot of rich people out there that don't know what to do with it. They're, they're not good at being rich. Obviously, they're not good at being rich because the more they make, the less they give away. And so when we arrive at, at being rich, I want us to be good at it. Anybody else in here agree? Amen? So here's some things, some side effects that happen from being a bad rich person. The number one thing is this. Rich people don't like to admit they are rich. Right? Rich people don't like to admit they're rich. Uh, You know, the thing is, is that runners will admit they're runners, right? Come on, ran five miles yesterday. That's that's me. Runners will admit they're runners. Come on, uh, people that do... uh, People that do, uh, what is it, CrossFit, they, you can't get them to shut up about it. <laughs> CrossFit's life. CrossFit. CrossFit. Number one wall of CrossFit is always talking about CrossFit. <laughs> Come on, introverts will tell you they're introverted. Extroverts, they don't need to tell you, but they're glad to tell you that they're extroverted people, right? You, you got, you got, there's all these people that are happy to tell you of what they are, but the one thing that they won't tell you is, I am rich. Right? We just don't talk about it. Come on, we were, we were raised with better manners than that. We don't admit that we're rich. And, and the thing is, is that I could probably, uh, and I, I can nearly guarantee you, there are people in this room that have more money than, than what, what I would, what, or they would have enough money to, for me to consider them to be rich. I don't know what your checking account looks like, I don't, but I would, I, would, I would probably bet on that. I'm not a betting man, but I would probably bet on that. But if I, were to stand, if I were to say, hey, listen, here's what I want. Everybody in here that's rich, I want you to stand up, put your hand in the air, and say, I am rich. I guarantee you nobody would do it. Why? Because nobody's rich, right? There, there's nobody. We don't like to admit that we're rich. Gallup took a poll. And they asked Americans, how much combined household income would you need to be considered, to, to consider yourself rich? The answer was this, $150,000 combined household income a year. $150,000. Some of you are sitting there going, that would be nice. I would like to have $150,000 combined household income a year. But here's the thing is they talked to people that made $150,000 a year, and they said, I'm not rich. What are you talking about? Are you crazy? I'm not rich. I've got bills piling up. I, I, I've got a lot of, I, I, I don't, I've got debt. I've got things going on. They said, I'm not rich. And then they turned around, and they asked people that had made thirty dollars to $35,000 combined total house com- household income a year, how, how much would it take for you to consider someone rich? And they said this, $75,000 a year. $75,000. And I hear somebody laughed. Ha! <laughs> No, that's not, 75000 that's not even getting close to being rich. Come on, you, you, know, you know what it's like. You got bills. The truth is, is that they, they, they would, the people that were asked at 75000 they said, I'm not rich. 
I don't, I'm not rich. I don't care what they said. The truth is, is that I'm not rich. They, they did another poll, and they asked people that subscribe to Money Magazine. Now, I don't subscribe to Money Magazine, but I would guess that if you subscribe to Money Magazine, you really like money, right? I mean, that's just something that you, you probably, you like reading about it, you like talking about it, you like finding out about it. So they asked them, what would, you, what, would you, what would it take for somebody to be rich in your eyes, these subscribers to Money Magazines? And they said this, $5 million. That's stinking rich. Come on, somebody. That's... That's really good. Five million dollars. So what does that tell you? The truth is, is that they talked to people that had one million dollars. They talked to people that had two million dollars. They talked to people that had three million dollars. They talked to people that had four million, four and a half million. And they said the magic number was five million dollars. And I bet you this. I bet you if you talked to somebody that had five million dollars, they would probably look at you and be completely honestly say, I'm not rich. I'm not rich. I've got stuff. I've got, I've got worries. Uh, I, uh, uh, a guy, a pastor, was talking to, took some uh, friends of his out, and these people were what we would all consider, I think, rich. Now, if, if not, they, these people were billionaires. I mean, billion, not million, billionaires. And they were sitting around, they were talking at dinner, him and his wife, and, and uh, they were sitting across the table, and they were talking about how they were worried about some financial things that were coming up. And the pastor, come on, pastors make a ton of money. The pastor looks at his wife and said, if they're worried, we're in trouble. Here are billionaires talking about it, thinking, I'm not rich. The thing is, the bottom line is this, is no one is rich, but everybody knows somebody who is, right? We all know somebody who's rich. There's people out there that you would think those people are rich, and you look at their lives. Here's the truth. If you make between forty dollars and $48,000 combined household income a year, you are in the top 1% in the world. I knew nobody, I knew it would be a quiet response there. Nobody's going to stand up and go, praise God. I had no idea. I woke up this morning and I thought I was broke. But now I know that I'm not just rich. I'm stinking rich. I've got money. I've got, nobody does that. Why? Because you don't feel rich. You don't feel rich, right? The thing is, is that, because you don't feel rich doesn't mean that you aren't rich. The second thing is, rich people are plagued with discontentment. Come on, this is an easy place to get into. Rich people are plagued with discontentment. The more stuff they accumulate, the more stuff they want. The more stuff you get, come on, I, I was telling uh, the first service this, that when Crystal and I first got married, come on, we were living on love. That was literally the truth. I mean, we had nothing. We had jack, I think is the exact terminology that you would use. Every bit of furniture, literally, every bit of furniture in our house was given to us by our parents. And it was not nice stuff either. We had a coffee table that was broken and leaned to the right. Purposeless, really, when you think about it, because you're supposed to set drinks on it. But, hey, it looked good to us. We just, we just kept on 
the thing is, is that I have been like that, and I, re- I like remembering those days. But now the stuff that I, I like my stuff now way better. Can I hear an amen? It's, I, I like what I have now way more because the thing is about appetites, the more you feed an appetite, the bigger it gets. And so the more stuff you get, the more stuff you want. It's just a natural thing. You, you get nice stuff. Come on, I don't know about you, but when I go to a hotel, I used to could stay at Motel 6 because that was nicer than where I lived. But the thing is, is now I want to stay at some place a little bit nicer than Motel 6. And all the Motel 6 people, if you're there, amen. Just keep loving it. Spend less money, amen. But the thing is, is that the more stuff you get, the more stuff you want. Here's the thing is, is rich people are plagued with discontentment. They love to do this thing called upgrade. Have y'all ever heard of upgrading? Anybody ever heard of upgrading? Here's, here's some things that rich people will do. They will drive their working cars to these things called car dealerships. And they'll get out and they'll talk to a car salesman. And they'll, ser- seriously, I'm not lying. They'll hand them the keys to their car, their working car, and they give the dealer more money to drive out with a car that does exactly the same thing that the car that they brought in does. And then they pay monthly for that car. That's what rich people do. Rich people will do this. They'll go into a perfectly fine kitchen that has countertops, cabinets, microwave, refrigerator, come on, dishwasher, and they'll rip it all out. And they'll put back cabinets and countertops and a refrigerator and a microwave. Have you ever heard of people doing this? It's crazy. The same stuff. It's just, why would you do that? Just because they're rich, but They'll do this. They'll, I've seen this personally on TV. Is They'll stand in line at an Apple store. And they'll text their friends on their working iPhones. Standing in line at Apple store getting the new iPhone. And they'll wait for two hours. And rich people don't like to wait in line. They want it now. They want it right now. And so, but they'll wait for two hours for this and they'll go in and they'll buy a brand new iPhone, even though their phone is currently working just fine, just so they can have the latest and greatest. And then they turn around and they give their old iPhone to their kids. It's wild. They'll stand in front of their closets. Now, let me just say something about a closet. Now, this is wild. A closet is actually a room for your clothes. Rich people have this. They have a room just for their clothes. And and they'll stand in front of their closet and they'll look at all their clothes that they have. And they'll make this statement. I'm I'm sure that y'all could help me out with this. You probably heard them do this. But they they say, uh, I have... Even though in reality they have work clothes, they have casual clothes, they have work out clothes, they have work in the yard clothes. I've heard uh, of rich women that will have eight, nine, ten pair of perfectly fine shoes 
And they'll go out and they'll actually go shopping for new shoes. Even though they have eight, nine, ten pair of perfectly. See, everybody, this is what happened in the first service. It was all funny and good until I started messing with a woman's shoes. And then all of a sudden it was like, I will cut you. I will, don't you talk about my shoes. You can talk about anything else, but you talk about my shoes. And they'll go out and they'll buy new shoes. The thing is, is that nobody likes to admit they're rich because rich people are plagued with discontentment. Here's the last thing is rich people live with a false sense of security. See, rich people in Proverbs 18, 11, in the NIV, it says this, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. See, here's what the Bible's trying to tell you in this, is that you're, a lot of times what happens is, is you begin to put your hope in the wrong thing. See, that, that's the thing about money is it's not, it's not bad to have money. It's not bad to save money. Come on, I love savings account. If you think this is against saving money, you're completely wrong. The truth is, is that what God is saying is, is don't put your hope in the provision when you should be putting your hope in the provider. The thing is, is that you got to get to a place to where you, you I, I hear people to all the time say this, well, when I make more money, I'll start giving. When I make more money, I'll be generous. When I make more money, and the truth is, is that that day never comes. Because if you're not generous with what you have now, God knows that you won't be generous with what he gives you later on down the road. You have to learn in a, in a moment and in a time where you are, whatever season that is, however much you make, it doesn't matter. The truth is, is that God will set back and say, when you begin to be generous, come on, the Bible says to give and it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will men give back into your bosom? The thing is, is that I hear a lot of people praying for God to start blessing them and I always ask the question are you giving are you generous why would God give more money to a stingy person because we're blessed to be a blessing we're blessed to give we're blessed to help people we're blessed we're not just set back just set back I love I love I can't hardly carry cash because I love giving it away I, trust me, I cannot carry cash because I will give it away. It's just one of those things. You see, I, I see homeless people with a sign. I don't sit back and judge them. I sit back and I hand them cash because God has not called me to judge them. God has called me to be a blessing. The thing is, is people put their hope in their wealth. And I know, I know millionaires that in day... It's all gone. And their hope was in their wealth, and it devastates them. But I know wealthy people that have lost everything, and their help is in God. And they show up with a smile on their face because they know that they're never trusted in the provider. I mean, they never trusted in the provision. They trusted in the provider. Let me ask you a question. How much would it take for you to be financially secure? Just think in your mind right now. How much would it take for you to be financially secure? And I'll go ahead and answer it for you. It's more than you have right now. 
I can guarantee you nobody in here is going, I'm good right now. I don't need another dime. I don't, I don't need another. No, everybody is wanting more. The thing is, is the reason why Americans give less and less the more money they make is simply this. Because when you put your hope in riches and you're always trying to obtain a certain amount, there will be this amount in your mind. And then once you, you, once you cross it, you'll go, I, I, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I need a little more. And if I get there, I get a little more. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to build a fortified wall and you think that it is unscalable. And the truth is, is that you have to understand that when you put your trust in God, when you put your hope in God, he will take care of all of your needs. Come on. The Bible says this. He provides all your needs. All your needs. James one twenty seven. says this, it says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Now, I'm just going to stop there. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Now, I know a lot of people would probably fill in the blank with, uh, I, I, maybe, I, come on, I grew up in church. How many grew up in church? Anybody in here? I would say this, uh, a pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is uh, showing up to church every Sunday. Come on, that's just the, that's the way I, uh, maybe bringing your Bible to church. Come on, those, you're a real holy roller, and that's maybe your, that's your, your mind. You bring your Bible, and you go to church every Sunday, you're, you're one of those crazies, right? You're, you, God's got to be happier with you than everybody else. And some of you might say, uh, pure and, uh, and undefiled religion before God and the Father is doing the right thing all the time. Never making a mistake. Never falling short. Never doing the things that I've done to mess up. You know, that, that's pure. That's, that's really. You look at people's lives and you think, man, they, they've got it all together. They've never messed up. They've, they really have figured out what religion is all about. But here James is, and I love this because he says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Let's fill it in. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble. What? Like, no, you don't understand. That, that's, not, that's, not, that's not pure. That's not. No, this is what James, the brother of Jesus, is saying. Pure and undefiled religion is this, to be generous to those in need, to take care of people. That is the very heartbeat of our God. Come on. The, in John 3, 16, everybody knows it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The thing is, is that God was the very start of the giving. He, he never one time withheld his best, but he gave it so that we could have life and life more abundantly. The truth is, is that God wants you to give and be generous like he is. See, the thing is, is that's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to be. See, my prayer as your pastor is that we would not be a church that comes in and sings songs and listens to sermons. But we would be a church that serves our communities. Come on. That makes an impact in our workplaces. That goes out and we make a difference in our schools. That we're not set back and saying, well, I'm here to critique and to say, well, I, I, I'll see if I like the message or if I like the song list. Then we'll see how. No, I want to be a church that says, you know what? I 
know that God has blessed me. And I know that God has been generous to me. And I'm enjoying my life. And I'm grateful for everything that I have. But I'm going to turn around and I'm going to be a blessing to someone else. Because God has so richly blessed me. How can I withhold what he has freely given? But when you trust in the wealth... You begin to hoard. See, the thing is, is the, the very hallmark of... We're not the first church to do anything like this. The truth is, is the very hallmark of Christianity is this. That, that people who worked hard, that saved up, that gave sacrificially, that gave of their lives, that, that went to places where no one else was going to build homes for people, to build hospitals for people, to build orphanages. I know people in my, in my life that we, we help and we love to support, that they, they give in their lives to orphans and nobody else even knows they're around why are there is their name ever going to be on a billboard no it won't ever but the thing is is that God has called them to be generous to those see that's my heart for our church is that we would be generous that we wouldn't sit back and say well yeah one day when I get enough I'll be generous. Let me tell you something. That one day will never come. I want to tell you today, church, that God has called us to be generous. Not one day, but right now. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pass around the buckets and we're going to take another off. I'm just kidding. And I want you to really dig deep. No. See, if you think that this is what this series is about, it's about you giving more money, you're wrong. But it is about you realizing that I'm blessed. Come on, just somebody say this. I am blessed. Say it. Come on, say it again. I am blessed. Now then, uh, that's easy for everybody to say. But now say this. I am rich. See, people don't like to say that, but the truth is, is that you're rich. That God has given us, and sometimes you need to, need to sit back and thank God for what He's given you. And you need to be grateful for everything that He's given you, and that everything that He's poured out into your lap. So here's what we're going to do. Is the, uh, the, uh, the ushers are going to come around. They have these, uh, these cards in, in the buckets, and we want you to take these cards. And what it says is, something extra to show you God loves you. And then on the back, it says the church RC, and it's an invite. Now, here's the thing, is that when you go out and you take this card, this does not mean you go to the restaurant after, lunch, or after church today, and you leave this card instead of a tip. If I find out you've done that, I will punch you in the face. Don't be a stingy Christian. Come on, didn't you listen to the message? But what you do is you leave this card with a 25% tip or a 30% tip or a $100 bill. Maybe you go into Starbucks line 
And instead of just buying your coffee, you buy coffee for the person directly behind you. And then as before you leave, you say, would you give this card to the people behind me? And it's just a simple card that says, this is something that I want you to know is that God has blessed me. And so I want you to know that God loves you and and he cares for you. That's all it is. See, the thing is, is that we are going to go into our communities. I think this, I think there's a misconception out there that we, we, uh, there's people out there that are expecting the government to take care of every need that they have. And the truth is, is the government has never been meant to fill that spot. The, what, who, what God has intended all along is for the church to take care of widows, for the church to take care of orphans, for the church to take care of the poor and the needy. See, we got to understand that God has called us to make a difference, to be generous, to give, because God is so freely given. So this is what I want you to do. We're going to give these out every week. We'll have them at the information table if you want more. But this week, I want you to go out, and I want you to think of ways. How can I make a difference? How can I be generous? I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're planning on doing. But you could think of some way of, I can be generous. I can send somebody a nice card in the mail. Some of the greatest things that you'll do have no actual financial attachment to them at all. But it's an encouraging word, and you send this, and you throw it in there, and just say, hey, I just a little something to let you know that God loves you. You're on my heart, and I was praying for you. We're called to be a generous church. Amen?